Giving. Every mom here knows what it means to give. And the widow at Zarephath, the widow who had just a little bit of bread, knew what giving was about. We're talking about Elijah, one of the great characters of the Old Testament, consistently operated in the supernatural. And we began last week by looking at Elijah walking into the throne room of Ahab and saying, it's not going to rain. What an introduction to ministry. The second miracle, though, involves the lack of provision that a woman is experiencing for herself and her son. And I want you to understand this morning that sometimes the supernatural is counterintuitive. In fact, much of the kingdom is counterintuitive. Someone said that the philosophy of life is to get all you can and can all you get. And life is so much more than building your comfort and your uh, preservation, but it's about ministering and giving and loving beyond that, that much in the kingdom is contrary to human wisdom. It's not that we operate by natural resources. If you only operate by human intellect, you'll only get what human intellect can provide. But if you operate by biblical principles, you'll get what biblical principles provide. And so the supernatural that we want to experience for it to be sound, for it to be legitimate, for it to be impactful has to be anchored to what the word of God says, which is often contrary to how we think. And so I want us to explore that a little bit um, in the life of Elijah and this widow woman. And the first principle I want you to consider is that sometimes scarcity comes into our lives to move us. Scarcity comes to move us. Elijah has pronounced a drought. God put him in the witness protection program and told him to hide by a brook where ravens would feed him. And you got to hear about some of my, uh, my idiosyncrasies when it comes to handshaking and several of you wiped your hands off before you shook my hand for which I am appreciative. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. But what's happened is, think about this for a minute, how the way God works sometimes doesn't make sense outside the confines of Scripture in just human reasoning. So God says, go into the valley And I will put you by a brook that will sustain you. And while he has obeyed God and doing what God has asked him to do and enjoying God's provision, the brook of God's provision dries up. I don't know if you've ever been there where you were sure that God gave you a word and that God gave you a divine supply And all of a sudden, what God gave you is no longer available. How many of you believe there has to be a level of frustration here in Elijah's life? Saying, God, you said you would take care of me. You sent me by the brook. And the brook has dried up. What are you doing here? I don't think God gets nervous when we ask some questions. I do believe, though that sometimes we need to listen and see what God is about. Now, what you also have to understand in that is that God never runs out. God never runs out of provision, never runs out of supply. God never experiences shortages. 
Do you remember when we were terrified that we wouldn't have toilet paper? God can even provide toilet paper. Is there anybody in the house? He will take care of us. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 50, beginning in verse 10, for every animal of the forest is mine, God says, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it is mine. And one of the old preachers said years ago, God not only owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he also owns all the, hill, all the gold in those hills, that God has everything that we need. He will not run out. Acts chapter 17 tells us that God is not served by human hands, and if he needed anything, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And in Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden. Where? In a sun-scorched land. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So God could have kept that brook full of water. It could have been a brook that was fed by an underground um, water supply. It could have come from a number of ways. Supernaturally could have filled that stream. So what do we do with that? We know that God doesn't run out of resources. We know that God has everything that we need. And then we hit a place where we run out of resources and wonder what God's up to. Has anybody, been, anybody in the house been there? Where it's, God, what are you doing? You've got everything, and I don't have anything. What's happening here? Well, the reality is we tend to not move spiritually or naturally without motivation. Something has to motivate us. When everything is comfortable and all of my needs are being met, everything is being supplied, how many of you want to stay in that spot? The rest of you have, have problems you need to work out. How many of you want to stay in that place where the blessing is? It's like, this is all going so well. Why would I want to change it? Now, some of you just get uncomfortable with being comfortable. But that becomes a motivation for you. There's something on the inside of us or something external to us that has to motivate us if anything is going to change. And if we don't experience that, we stay the same. And I'm saying to you that sometimes God has a purpose in letting the brook dry up around you because he wants to move you. I'm not talking about geographically, I'm talking about spiritually. When you feel like spiritually you're dry, when you feel like resources are running out, it's time to stop and look around and say, why did the brook dry up? It's not God's fault because he has supply. Why has it dried up? There must be something God wants to do here in my life that will move me forward. We don't move oftentimes until the brook dries up. And it's going to become very clear that God didn't allow the brook to dry up because he didn't know how to feed the brook. He didn't let the brook dry up because he was fed up with Elijah. He let the brook dry up 
because the provision that Elijah had today wasn't sufficient for tomorrow because there was an opportunity for ministry that God needed Elijah to step into that wouldn't happen where he was. And sometimes God wants to grow you and stretch you because there's a ministry opportunity coming your way that will help someone else and invest in their lives. God isn't random. God doesn't operate by coincidences. God is always purposeful and intentional. And everything that happens in our life, God has a way of putting a purpose in it. You've heard me say it. I'm going to say it again this morning. I do not believe that everything that happens to you has a purpose. I do believe in a God who puts a purpose in everything that happens to you. And when something begins to happen to you that is making you unsettled or uncomfortable, God isn't random. It might be that God is up to something when the brook dries up. Marriage relationships, you understand that oh oh so well. It's not so exciting after you've been married for a while like it was on that first date. What's happening? Did the brook dry up? No, God wants you to deepen your relationship with your spouse. Hello? There are a number of scenarios I could describe to you, but I want you to just grab hold of the concept that when the brook dries up, God is going to do something that seems to be outside of what you were comfortable with or planning. So then, sacrifice comes to stretch you. Some of you need some stretching. Oh, pastor, I am totally at ease where I am. I'm comfortable where I am. How many of you want to be used by God? How many of you want to be used by God in greater ways tomorrow than you were today? I do. I want a greater capacity. I want him to be able to use me in new ways. And the only way for that to happen is for God to stretch us. And I'll suggest to you that we rarely stretch under prosperity. We stretch under sacrifice where something new is being done in our lives. There's a widow in Zarephath, a widow that God has his eye on, who is about to die and running out of resources. First, you have to understand she's a widow, that in that culture means her normal source of supply was gone. Now, obviously, her husband had provided for her. She owned the home, and she's taking care of her son. But it was different in that day. Without a man or a husband in the house, there was a loss of some of her ability. They're out of bread. They have a little flour, a little oil, and a few little sticks. Doesn't that sound sad? (laughs) I got a little flour, a little oil, and I'm picking up a few little sticks. I've met people like that. Do you know what those people need? They need to be stretched. (laughs) When your world is so small that you have no hope for tomorrow, and you ask them how they're doing, and say, I don't know, I don't have, you know, and they've gone this sad, sad story. The way for you to grow is for you to be stretched. For God to do something that enables you to have a greater capacity for his supernatural blessing. 
And she says, here's her, hers, here's her vision for the future. I'm going home. I'm going to bake what bread I have left, and then we're going to die. I just want to be honest. Those people wear me out. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. From that deep theological source called hee-haw. Oh, man, if there are some people, how many you know if there, if there are some people, and if you're this person, I hope you're listening right now because I hope you get help to make me more comfortable. If it's sun shining in my life and I talk to some people, we'll be in a rainstorm before it's over. There'll be a fog, there'll be darkness, everything is bad, and those people need to stretch. How, what do you mean by that? Need to stretch so you have a greater capacity to see something bigger than what you see right now, and a greater capacity to absorb the glory and blessing of God. Have we forgotten that he's the God of all supply? So Elijah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I could do this. Where does God send Elijah? This is hilarious. God is so hilarious when he's dealing with somebody else. The brook dries up. I'd have been so thankful I no longer have to eat off the beak of ravens. So God, where are you going to send me now? Time to go to the fancy hotel? No, I'm going to send you to a widow. A widow that has a little flour and a little oil and a few sticks. And she's going to take care of you. I'm just, I'm just telling you, that can be really frustrating. So my wife and I, I didn't ask her if I could tell this, but my wife is a great cook. Um, you can tell that by seeing the product of her cooking. But we're a little different. So if I'm cooking, we have a little bit of disagreement over volume of preparation. Okay? Her goal is that when we're done eating, we have eaten it all up. So there's enough for everybody. My goal, where's Pastor Nathan? My goal is that we have enough for the meal and about 100 more people. You know, just pile it up. Just, let's just pile it up. So you can imagine when we're sitting down to supper and we're sitting with our son Caleb and there's suppers prepared, okay? I know that there's enough for three. And three of Caleb's friends just walk in our door. That's not a happy time for me. <laughs> because we have three, and we're adding three more. So now I've gone from just enough to half enough. Because they're getting half of my supper. 
because she's not going to send them out. I would. Come back in an hour. You're not welcome here right now. Is anybody here? Anybody, can I get a witness? Anybody hear me? So what is God asking Elijah to do? Asking Elijah to go to a widow woman who has just enough to feed her son before they die and ask her to give him what little she has left. If those three boys had asked for all of my supper, that would have been a hard no. And for Elijah to have to do that. Is there anyone hearing me? For Elijah to walk in the, into this woman's domain and say, I want you to give me what little you have. And then says, go ahead and do what you're going to do. Go ahead and die after that. Elijah must know something that isn't obvious, must know something that is counterintuitive, must understand that for us to enjoy the blessing of God in times of depression, that he's got to stretch us. And we don't stretch without willing to be sacrificial. Now, let me take it one more step. I've read all those stories. I read about an Italian lady when she prayed, she'd just say, hey, God. Talked about her husband who came home and she just had enough spaghetti to feed her family. And he brought a bunch of people home from work and it was inexcusable in that household to not have enough food. And so she made the spaghetti and prayed over it and God just kept that spaghetti pot filled. And they just kept filling plates. And so I'm praying with these three guys that came in, God's going to multiply the burgers, but he didn't. God can do the supernatural, is there anyone hearing me? But if your faith is based on consistent supernatural supply, you will become smaller. But if you learn how to trust God in times of sacrifice, you will become bigger with a bigger capacity because we live by dying. We go up by going down. We become stronger by becoming weaker. We become richer by giving away. God is a God who knows how to stretch us and that happens through sacrifice. God sends Elijah to a widow for provisions that she doesn't have. And then it's in a time of drought. His brook dried up. And so what does he do? Not only does he ask for the last of her bread, he asks for a glass of water. That's like COVID asking for a roll of toilet paper. There's not enough left. What are you doing, Elijah? He's doing the bidding of God. So I want you to hear me. The best giving you will ever do will come out of your scarcity, not out of your abundance. The best giving you will ever do will come out of your scarcity, not out of your abundance. I'll never forget, we were taking a special offering for a missions project, and I had shared the story, and we had talked about it, and there was a man in the church who was a millionaire who came up to me. I mean, he's driving a Jaguar. He's, you know, he's got all the stuff. And he comes up to me with a check, Pastor Tim. He's got tears in his eyes. God's asked me to do something I've never done before. This is really hard for me. Tears run down his face. And I thought, wow, he's gonna, I'm thinking $100,000. 
I'm thinking at least 10,000. I'd have been good with 1,000. But for him to give a $100 check broke him to tears. That's someone who's really, really small. Are you hearing me? That's someone who's really, really small. Because your giving is never measured in God's eyes by the amount you give. It's measured by how much you kept. It's measured by what you have left. In fact, you say, there you go, talk about money again. Yeah, because I, I want all of you to go to heaven. Some of you, money is tied around your ankles. And you've got to realize that God wants to stretch you. And you say, well, the pastor's not supposed to know what people give. Well, I don't unless there's a problem. And then I look to see what's wrong. But Jesus is in the temple standing at the treasury, watching what everybody gives. How, about, how would you like that? If I went around with an offering basket and then I went up to you and you put an envelope in sealed and I opened it and said, really, 20 bucks? Are you kidding me? And then put it back. Um, how many of you wouldn't come back again? Now, I'm not suggesting I should do that. But he stood there and watched while people gave out of their abundance. And there was another widow who gave two coins. And Jesus said about her, she gave more than everyone else gave. Because they gave out of their abundance. And she gave all that she had. What was she doing? She was in a place of sacrifice. Moms, you know that your kids stretch you by what they need and by their demands and by sacrificing for them every mom in the place will say it made me bigger it made me stronger it made me different than I was before that when you give out of your scarcity God is stretching you for greater capacity we need increased capacity if we're going to receive divine blessing what you do with what you have now will determine what you have later. I want you to think about that. What you do with what you have now will determine what you have later. Because everything you do now is sowing seed in the ground and you will reap a harvest tomorrow based on what you do today. There's a stretching that's happening. Giving in your scarcity will expand your capacity. Now, that's not the end of the story, thankfully. Third, abundance comes to bless you. I don't want you to think that God wants you to live in poverty or in suffering or in pain because giving does what? Giving doesn't drain you. Giving provides for you an abundance. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your bosom. It opens a door of blessing. What happens if you give 10% of your income to God? God says, test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life that you can't contain. Because God wants you to experience his abundance. God wants you to be blessed. Elijah says to the woman, if you act in obedience, you will never run out of food. You'll never run out of flour and never run out of water uh, and never run out of oil. So you're at a place where you have to trust. 
to give the last that you have today so that you can have an abundance tomorrow because that church is the will of God for you. He wants you to live in abundance. But some of us don't have the capacity to do that. Abundance would destroy us. Abundance would cause us, as it did the children of Israel, to forget God. So if you're going to experience his abundance, there has to be a work in you that abundance doesn't drive you or control you. Obedience to God does. And when your capacity is expanded, then he can trust you with an outpouring of his supernatural abundance. God is a God of abundance. God wants you to have abundant life. He wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to rain blessing on you, but he will not bless you in a way that will destroy you. So what did this woman do? She acted in obedience. She did what he said. You see, it's not when God blesses me, I will give it. It's when I give it, God will bless me. Well, if I got a raise, I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You're not going to give more than you're giving now, either as a percentage or as a part of your life. Well, I'm just praying that I'll win the lottery and look what I'll do for missions. I pray that you don't win the lottery. In fact, why don't you just pretend it's a lottery ticket and put it in the, not the lottery ticket, I don't want that, I mean your the amount you'd spend. And I've shared this story, but it was such a life-changing moment for me. We're driving in a community in Chicago, and every house is a monster house. Every house has a sports car and a minivan, and an airplane, for crying out loud, with a runway behind the houses. Who lives like that? And I said, God, oh, if you'd bless me like that, Think what I could do for the kingdom. And I heard him say, you'll do no more for the kingdom then than you're doing for the kingdom now. It's not about what you could do. It's about what you do. Is anybody hearing me? Because out of that comes then God reigning out blessing based on our obedience. It's not when God blesses me, I'll give it. It's when I give it, God will bless me. And I, again, another story, just in case you haven't heard it, and if there's one, then it's worthwhile. But I was astounded in a previous pastorate. We were in a financial trouble as a church, and one Sunday I felt inspired by God. And I said, I'm, I'm wondering how many of you will let me pray for you this way. I'm going to pray that God brings money into your life that you're not planning on that there'll be a raise, there'll be a, an uncle that remembers you in the will, there'll be some money that comes to you that you're not planning on. So you don't know that it's coming, but it's going to come, and you're willing to say this morning, when it does come, I'll give half of it to the church. What's hard about that? You don't know it's coming, you're not planning on it, and I'm gonna pray for God to bless you, and when it does, you're saying this morning, God, I'll give half of that. Half the church wouldn't let me pray for them. I was stunned. <laughs> I've had people say, well, uh, <clears throat> Pastor, uh, I, I'd like you to pray for me that way now. Well, I've changed the way I pray that. I'm praying, God, help them give half of what they have now. <laughs> because that's how abundance comes. 
Come on. God wants you to be in abundance. I want you to know that. He wants you to be blessed beyond measure. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants that for you, but you have to stretch in order to be able to be uh, ready to receive. His abundance comes to bless you. That is the heart and nature of God. That's what he wants for you. Here's what's also interesting. Not only... Watch this. Are you still with me? I think I'm having more fun right now than you are, but that's okay. Watch this. Her future depended on her obedience. But Elijah's future also depended on her obedience. There are people all over the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. And your stretching to receive greater capacity not only provides for your future, it also provides for their future. Because your giving and your obedience, those of you that are giving the missions, are saying, we want this gospel to go to the ends of the world, and this isn't a missions convention meeting. I'm just telling you that not only does your future depend on it, but the work of the kingdom of God depends on it. God wants to bless you, and you've heard me say this over and over, I believe, I believe, I believe that if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you, whether it will be a channel for God's blessing. And I know we grow and stretch. We were at family camp, and it's not a, I'm not just talking about money. It's just easier to understand. If I talk about time, half of you won't listen. If I talk about money, you're all clued in. We were at family camp, and they were taking an offering for family camp. And you have to understand, there was a time in our life that we were barely, 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 barely making it, barely surviving. I mean, I had to walk to church five miles uphill both ways in the winter. We had a couch we called the love seat because it was broke in the middle. And if you had a fight and sat on both ends, within a half hour, you're sitting in the middle. We had a refrigerator with a freezer that was great for thawing meat. I don't know what happened. It'd get up to 80 degrees in there, put a roast in there and have it for supper. We had, we had some extra money once and we bought a cardboard dresser so we could put our clothes in. One end of one month, we bought, brought a broom. Is anybody feeling sorry for me yet? Come on, I'm trying to get some sympathy here. We're at family camp and I'm thinking about, yeah, we'll give $10 and God spoke to me that we're to give $100. Are you kidding me? You may as well ask for my right arm. I don't have $100 to give. But the message was preached and I looked over at my wife and here's how our relationship works. She's all about giving. I mean, she may be tight at supper, but she's generous with our money. <laughs> She'll just give. I've not once said to her, I feel like we should give this amount. And she, she's never once said to me, I think that's too much, ever. So we don't have money. And I stood up, we're gonna give $100. And I don't know how we're gonna do this. And you could ask her, and, and Pastor Tim, I don't know how it happened. But we couldn't, we couldn't scrape 10 bucks extra together. I don't know what happened, but somehow God made that stretch that after we gave the $100, and it was in the bank, by the way, I didn't kite a check. It was in the bank. At the end of that month, we were in the same place we were the month before, but we'd invested $100 in the kingdom. And I learned something that day. That today, 
writing a $100 check, I don't know, time has gone by, doesn't cause me to bat an eye because I've learned that a 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever God asks of me, he is stretching me so that I can live in his abundance, so that I can be a blessing to the work of the kingdom. And some of you need to let God prize some of that giving out of your, uh, your paralyzed fist-shaped hand and discover the blessing of God's abundance when it doesn't come just from you. You gave counterintuitively beyond what you thought you could and found God's supernatural supply being provided. Abundance comes to bless you. And last, blessing comes to sustain you. Elijah stayed. Now watch, I'm not done yet. The best is something, somebody needs to hear what's coming next, okay? I just need you to grab hold of something in a moment. But Elijah stayed at the brook till it dried up. Elijah's no dummy. Stay where God's supply is. I don't know how long he stayed at the widow's house. It doesn't tell us how much time, how long he stayed there. But I'm telling you what, if I was at a house where the food was never going to run out, I'm staying at that house. And she's stay, he's staying there. God's providing for them. The blessing, listen, the blessing of God kept Elijah in one spot, just like scarcity moved him, blessing sustained him, and kept him in the place of blessing. And just as God had a purpose in moving Elijah, he's got a purpose in keeping Elijah still. There's something going to happen here. Day by day goes by, we don't know um, what all happens in between, but a day comes by that the widow's son dies. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse. Now remember, her husband's already died. She has one son, and her son is very, very sick, and he stops um, breathing. And here's what she says to Elijah. What did you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? She blames Elijah. Elijah, you came to do this. Elijah, you came and caused this. Is that why you came? To just let God sustain me long enough until my son died? It'd been better if we died back in the drought before the blessing came. But you allowed the blessing to come to kill us. Now watch, she said, was it because of my sin? I've researched what that sin was. What did she do? Commentators don't know. Nobody knows if she had done anything. But here's what I do know, that many Christians do not know how to enjoy the time of prosperity because they're expecting the fist of judgment to fall at any time. God's blessing today, but tomorrow. Don't get too happy today because tomorrow. She had been living in fear that something she had done in her past 
was going to come to the forefront. Think about that quickly. Can you prove that? No, but that quickly to say, did my son die because of my sin? I imagine she's asking that about the drought. I imagine she's asking that about everything. And I've been in ministry long enough to know that some people don't know how to enjoy the blessing of God because they're afraid it's going to stop and the judgment of God's going to fall on them. And if you're sacrificing the joy of the Lord today over fear of what might happen tomorrow, you need your capacity stretched because he wants you to enjoy the joy. He wants you to enjoy the blessing because God's blessing, come on, God's blessing isn't based on your performance anyway. It's based on Christ's provision for us. She didn't do anything to deserve the blessing other than obey, which means that God brought her into a place of favor. And as long as she keeps obeying, she's going to enjoy the favor. But when the favor lifts, she immediately goes to, what did I do that caused this? So I'm just saying to you, I believe there's somebody in the house right now that you can't enjoy the favor of God today because you believe that something from yesterday is going to steal it from you tomorrow. And that's not the will of God for your life. He wants you to be able to enjoy the blessing today. Is anyone hearing me right now? Learning how to enjoy the blessing, learning how to walk in the blessing. I got up one morning um, years ago, I can tell you exactly where I was. I'm driving to the office, and I'm just, I'm just almost giddy, just feeling joy, like this supernatural joy descended on me. And immediately I thought, oh no, something bad's going to happen today. God's given me joy because something terrible is going to happen. Or I've got no reason to experience joy. I must be having a psychotic break. <laughs> did you really think that? Oh yeah, I did. And God said, son, I blessed you because I love you. Just enjoy my favor on you today. I need you to learn how to trust my favor. Is anyone hearing me right now? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in fear of God's blessing because of what it might cost you tomorrow. And there's something she's got to learn, that the blessing of God comes to sustain you. Some people sit every day waiting for the judgment of God to fall on them. And she needs to learn a bit more. So what happens? Well, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. And isn't life kind of like that? And I hate roller coasters, but... Ups and downs. How many of you have had ups and downs in your life? I'm trying to find something everyone's experienced. Ups and downs in your life, and one day it's good. So her husband dies. That had to be a bad day. And then her sons die, and then they're going to starve to death. My husband died. Now we're going to die. And now God's sustained us, and now my son died. I'm just cursed. If you're under the blood, there's no curse that can stick to you. You are not cursed. You're a child of God. 
And Elijah says, God, what are you doing? What's happening here? He stretched himself on the body three times. Why? I don't know why. I just know God didn't tell him to do that, not in this case. I think best that I can discover looking at commentators and doing some history, by the time he's dead, the body has gotten cold. And there's kind of an idea if you could warm the body, it would wake up. I think he's trying everything in the natural he knows. Let's warm the body up. Come on, God, do something. Have you ever been there? God, do something. I'll do everything I can. I'll jump up and down. I'll shout. I'll do whatever. Elijah has to learn how to trust God. In tra- He's going to need a demonstration of resurrection power in just a little while. So what happens? Give me your son. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he's staying, laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to God. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Elijah now is at this point that he doesn't know. I'm just telling you, everyone in ministry has been in a point, a place or a time saying, God, what in the world are you doing right now? I don't get this. Then he stretched himself on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and raised the boy from the dead. Not because Elijah stretched himself out on him, but because Elijah heard, or God heard, Elijah's cry. And he responded to his prayer, and life comes back into that child. And Elijah gets to see that there is resurrection power at the hand of God. Elijah was there to be stretched. And she says, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. And this is the measure of truth. She gained confidence in what God had to say. And, she, and he gained confidence in God's resurrection power. The supernatural operates outside of the natural realm it is often counterintuitive. There are times that God will ask you to give more than you think you should or than you think you can. And when you're at the point of saying, God, I can't give that. God, I can't do this. God, I can't hold on any longer. He's stretching you for greater capacity. And if you'll hang on, (laughs) you're gonna see a display of God's glory that you never even imagined possible. Because God can do what the human mind cannot imagine. When we obey God, hear me, when we obey God, we open the door for his supernatural provision. Sometimes the supernatural is confrontational. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. It's opposite of what we think. So I'd like heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Please with no one looking around. But I'm just wondering if there isn't someone here online in the chapel that you are that person who can't enjoy 
God's blessing today for fear of what might happen tomorrow. And God wants to take that burden off of your back today. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand wherever you're seated, just hold your hand up. I say, Pastor, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Just slip your hand up. I'm not gonna call you forward, just wanna pray for you. Yes, thank you, yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? I'm just going to wait. It's a hard thing to admit, but I believe God's going to help us this morning. Second question. Are you in a place that God's asking more of you than you think you're capable of giving? And it may not be financial. It may be in some other area. You're in a place that God's asking more of you than you think you're capable of giving. Hold your hand up quickly. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want you to know that whenever God asks, he's stretching us for greater capacity. And all along the way, we have to be ready to let him come alongside us and affirm his love for us. Could we stand together? And those of you that raise your hand to the first call, I want you to say, God, I trust you. Teach me to enjoy your blessing. And if you're in a place of... Um, of feeling like he's asking too much, just recommit yourself to him. Would you do that? Would you lift your hands all over this place? And let's begin to give him thanks and praise. Come on, let's thank him and praise him and magnify the Lord this morning. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I
Lord Jesus, we do love you and we do trust you. And I'm asking this morning that you will help us learn how to stretch and how to rejoice in your goodness and your favor to enjoy your blessing today and know that we can trust you tomorrow in Jesus' name. And everyone that loves him said, amen, amen. Moms, we love you. Glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for your giving. It helps us do what God's called us to do. And if you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. What a great God we serve. Amen. What a great God we serve. Greet someone, be a blessing to them before you go this morning.